Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So you want to go elk hunting. Look out, that is a slippery slope. Elk hunters are some of the most passionate people out there. On this episode, I'm going to help you get started with some of the initial tips, tactics, and strategies. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. This is a subject that I have neglected for years, just never got around to doing it, so I'm going to do a short series of episodes on elk hunting, how to get into it, how to get started, gear, strategies, uh, whether you should go solo or with a guide, we're going to cover all these things. I'm planning this to be the first of four episodes or so. And every year, guys, this is just something that gets away from me. Last year, I was planning to do it and just got so sucked into waterfowl episodes and then deer hunting episodes, and there's just no end to it. So I'm going to stick it right here. We're going we're gonna to hammer this out, get this on the books. I know a lot of people have requested episodes on elk hunting. In fact, it's probably the number one topic that is requested that I haven't gotten around to. So we're doing it now, digging right in. So you want to so hunt elk. You talk about an amazing animal. Absolutely incredible creatures. You know, elk used to inhabit every square inch, almost, of the United States of America. They used to be in almost every county of the country. I mean, they were like white-tailed deer back in the day. They were everywhere. They were considered a menace in many places. Crops and farmers hated them. Uh, they were absolutely prolific. Until... People got involved in mass in crazy numbers. 
trying to wipe them out. Some people hunted them for sport. Some people hunted them for meat. Some people hunted them for pest control. Some people hunted them, sadly but literally, just to watch them die. Sort of how they used to do with buffalo. They would get on a train and they would go from coast to coast, sit there with a gun and just shoot everything they dro- the, the train passed by. Wouldn't even stop. Would just keep going. And the idea was, you know, if you watched it fall and die, you got a point. And uh, by the time you got to wherever you're going, you count your points. Just that sort of nonsense. And all of these things together combined with massive habitat loss have almost completely wiped out, out to the point of extinction in the United States, especially in the lower 48. But some things happened. Changes of laws, conservation, private or public land, preserves. There was a little thing called World War II and some other events that transpired that allowed the elk population to rebound. And rebound they did until a new wave, a new breed, a new kind of hunter that was thought differently, that hunted differently, that cared more about conservation, that was... Uh, you know, more mindful of uh, ethical hunting practices and limitations that were in it more for just the, the beauty and amazingness of the sport emerged and entered onto the scene in the, the 1950s and 60s. And we have had a vibrant culture of elk hunting in the U.S. ever since. That said, elk have not rebounded to their historic ranges and populations. In a lot of places in the U.S., they are not rebounding. They are on the decline, not the incline. Though there are bright spots. There are places where they're on the way up and they are doing well. And hunting tags and systems and limits and so forth are supposed to to work in order to manage that and encourage their growth and all of those things. Now, I could spend this whole episode talking about the travesties involved in mismanagement and predation and introducing wolves in the areas for no reason that that did not need to be there that are wiping out elk populations and we could talk just about that but that's another subject for another episode that I don't ever plan on recording because I'll tell you what it's just not fun and uh, it just makes you sad and angry and there's plenty of people talking about that but you just need to be aware of it at least at that level so that when you come into contact with this stuff, you can know what to do with it and, and how to look at it. So hunting elk. What is an elk? A lot of people, they don't really know. They think, oh, you know, they see an elk. They think it's just a big deer. Uh, elk and deer, they come from the same overarching groups, so to speak. But elk are not deer. They're not the same animals. They don't live the same. They don't act the same. Uh, you know, their similarities are in general appearance and the fact that they both grow antlers every year and shed them. That's, that's pretty much it. They are very different animals, different habits, different everything. You cannot hunt elk the way that you hunt deer. Uh, or at least if you try, you're going to get really bad results. So it's a totally different pursuit. Elk are much bigger than deer. They can yield a lot more meat than a whitetail. 
the average elk compared to the average whitetail, you're talking about drastically more meat. So they are outstanding creatures to pursue. They are also considered by many sportsmen the most delicious meat in the woods. A lot of people consider them to be better tasting than deer, better tasting than beef, the best of the best. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you might be interested in pursuing elk. Um, you know, getting cheap meat, though, is not usually going to be one of them. They are a very expensive animal to hunt. And that's probably the first thing that you need to be aware of is the cost that goes into pursuing elk. All right. If you now if you live in a state where you're able to get a residential tag cheap and, and you're able to scout and hunt there. You are a very small minority among those who are interested in hunting elk. I'd say probably 5 to 10% of interested elk hunters are in such a situation where they could cheaply and conveniently hunt elk if they have the skills and the know-how to do it. Everyone else is in a different boat. To get a non-resident elk tag in most states is very expensive. Um, I think I have seen in times past tags for $500, although I have not seen anything like that recently. I did not do an exhaustive search before I recorded this, but what I've been seeing most lately is somewhere between $1,500, $2,000, $3,000, and even in some places, $5,000 American dollars to get an elk tag. So you can, there are probably places to get them cheaper. These are non-resident tags. Residents can usually get them a lot cheaper, although often there's a lottery system. So I know in Pennsylvania, if you want to hunt elk, you got to put in to the lottery and you buy a ticket. And every year that you enter, you get more points. That gives you more chances to win a tag. And there's only a few dozen tags that are drawn every year. And then it's just, you know, very few people get that opportunity. But, hey, it's $25 a tag if you get drawn. So, and I think you're spending like, what is it, $20, 10 or $20 a year entering something like that. I have not entered. And I will tell you why. Because, um, oh man, it's a, it's a complicated piece of machinery in Pennsylvania. But I'll get to that in a little bit. So, to hunt elk, you have to be aware of the cost. All right, just the tag alone. You need to figure out where do you want to hunt. All right, so this is number one. Where are you want to? Where do you want to hunt elk? Where can you? And where do you desire to hunt them? You have to figure that out pretty much before you do anything else. And you need to find out how do I get a tag there? What does a tag cost there? So in some places, you have to enter a lottery for a residential tag, and you have a small chance of getting one, but if you do, it's cheap. But an out-of-stater can come, and they can buy a, a two or $3,000 tag at will. Right? They're unlimited if you want to pay that much money. So it's, in some ways, it's kind of unfair, uh, you know, but you have to figure out where do you want to hunt, where are your opportunities, and what does it take to get a tag there. Can you just go and buy a tag for a reasonable amount of money in your state to go hunt one? 
Do you have to pay a ridiculous amount of money? Do you have to enter a lottery? Are there elk in your state? Or do you have to go to another state? And which is the best one? You need to figure out where you can hunt, where you can afford to hunt, or where you desire to hunt. So there's a lot of variation in this, guys, depending on what state you're interested in or what state is close to you or what the policies are that year. Um, you know, Pretty much every state I've looked at, there's considerable variation. So you need to know that. you got to nail that down. When are the seasons? Different states are going to have different seasons. So you got not just have to figure out where can you where are there elk, where can you afford to hunt, what does it take to get a tag, but then when are the seasons, when do you have to apply, when do you have to buy those tags. Most elk hunts for beginners are planned one to two years in advance. One to two years in advance most of the time for first time or, or just beginner hunters. So you need to, to nail these things down. When do you want to hunt? You could still hunt this season. You know, if you're listening to this now, this episode's going live in the spring or in the summertime. You can still get in on the fall season, but chances are you're probably in a better position to plan your next fall elk hunt just because of all the factors that go into it. So you got to figure out your seasons. You got to figure out your tags. You got to figure out where you're going to go. And then you need to figure out what land are you going to hunt on. All right. So you buy a tag to go hunt in Colorado. Great. You know when you're going to go. Great. You know when the season is. Outstanding. Where are you going to hunt? Are you going to, are you going to be able to find private land? How are you going to find that private land? How are you going to get permission to hunt on that private land? Is there public land? Well, how are you going to get there? How are you going to access that, that public land? You got to nail this stuff down well in advance. In states that are big in elk hunting, a lot of times choice private land, they have agreements in place with guides and outfitters which means nobody but those guides and outfitters are allowed to hunt on those properties and they pay a handsome penny for it much of the time. So it's not like you can just, you know, go to somebody and say, hey, can, you know, if I give you, you know, a hundred bucks, can I hunt on your massive, you know, thousand acre property? Yeah, that, that just, that doesn't really happen. That's not a thing. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history, designed by John Browning. The 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Um, if you don't have an agreement with a landowner as an outfitter or a guide, it can be very difficult to secure permission to hunt for reasonable sums of money. All right. If you have enough money, of course, you can make anything happen. 
But most of the time, that's going to be difficult. You are going to be limited to public land. Now, here's some of the thing about public land in many elk hunting states. It is not always accessible. Sometimes you have to go through private land to get to it. There may not be roads. There may not be right of access. They may not be able to get to that land in order to hunt unless you have a helicopter. And sometimes that is somewhat by design because those are preservation areas. They're not meant to be public hunting land per se. They are, but the idea of the land was set aside to to be a habitat preserve, so to speak. So they did not go out of their way to make it easily huntable because they weren't interested in it being easily huntable. So you need to figure all this out well in advance. You know, the idea of you saying, okay, I'm going to go to Colorado or, you know, Wyoming and go and hunt some elk and I got my tag, so I'm just going to drive out there and show up and, and just backpack out on the public land and hunt some elk. Yeah, that may not be possible. You might spend the first couple days of your hunt just trying to figure out where to go. You can do that to some extent with deer hunting, but with elk hunting, you've got to find these creatures. So the next point is scouting. You got to scout. You have to find where are these herds. Elk are not like deer, which are to some extent uniformly distributed through forests and woodland areas. They are herd creatures. They're often together in in small, medium, or large herds, depending on the time of the year it is. They could be in major herds. And if you don't find that herd, you could trek through thousands of acres and not find an elk. And then, oh, boom, hey, look, there's 800 of them. You got to know where they are. And there's no way to know other than scouting. You have to find some way to scout, to get intel, to figure out what land. Now, if you're able to find a massive track of public land that you can access, you got to do your homework. Whatever you can do remotely in advance to try to figure out at least where the best places are for you to go when you get there to start scouting. You got to have a scouting plan. You got to have some way figured out that you're going to find these creatures. Because, I mean, you you can't just show up and say, hey, here's land. You know, elk ought to be here. So I'm just going to sit here for a week and hope an elk walks by. Yeah, that's, that's just a good way to waste a week and all the money you spent on that tag. It does not work like that. You've got to find these animals. Now... This leads me to uh, a yeah, sore subject for a lot of people. And that is, should you get a guide or an outfitter or should you try to DIY this? Now, I myself am a DIY to the extreme sort of hunter. All right, I, I want to figure it out. I want to do it myself. Not just because I don't want to pay people. Not just because, you know, it's a lot of money. But because I want to just get into it and learn it and figure it out and push and try and experiment and test and research. And and then once I finally get it and it works, 
you know, I feel like I know why. I, I know the whole journey. There's that much more satisfaction. That's kind of my style and my approach and why the new hunter's guide exists. However, with elk hunting, that is not always feasible. It is not always practical. All right. Most of the time, you're probably going to want to have a guide. You're probably going to want to hire a guide or go with an outfitter. Now, let me tell you my story. I, I alluded to it about Pennsylvania. So there are a handful of places, in, mostly in north central Pennsylvania, that there are elk. And they are highly protected. And there, there's healthy populations, but it's only in these small areas. So every year they do that lottery. You could win your, your chance to get a $25 elk tag. And okay, there you go. So here's the reason why I don't put in for a tag every year. Once I win, what am I going to do? All right. I'm going to have to drive four or five hours to get to where the elk are. And once I get there, what am I going to do then? How am I going to find these creatures? How am I going to find you know, where I can hunt. You're like, oh, well, George, just on exit. Yeah, right. That's easy to say, but there's only so much public land in that area. And there may not necessarily be public land, even in the, the, the management unit or the, the subunit that you draw your tag in. So you get there and you're spending time. You got to get hotel rooms. You got to figure out where these animals are. What am I going to do if I shoot one? How am I going to get it out of the woods? How am I going to get it home? Um, you know, we're talking way far away. We're talking part of the year where it's still hot. You got to find the creatures and like lots of smart animals, they know where the public land is somehow in areas where there's just a little bit of public land and they know to be on the private land. And a lot of that private land is under the thumb of guides and outfitters. So, Here's the thing, if I wanted to go out, if I want to get my $25 elk tag for me to go hunt in my own state, now it's not close. It's like I said, you're talking like four hours, maybe more away. PA is a big state and I'm far from the area, but you, you get, you got to get there. Okay. So you got to take a week's vacation pretty much at least, at least probably more. You probably need a week and a half's vacation a week to hunt and then, you know, half a week to scout. So you're going to make, take a week and a half vacation, probably need like seven or eight vacation days. You could maybe do a long weekend on the scouting trip. You got to drive across the state. What's that cost? You got to stay in hotel rooms. So you're looking at what, seven or eight nights in a hotel room. That's a thousand bucks. That was a thousand bucks a couple years ago before things got stupid. Now it's probably closer to two especially during that season of the year because that's when everybody's coming and that's when you hotel prices are at a premium in those areas. All right, so you're spending that money. You need food, you know, all of that. You got to find the land. You're driving around. You're looking. You're going through all this stuff. You know, I don't have a pickup truck. I don't have a good way to get around. I can't go off-road. So what are you going to do, rent a car? You know what it costs to rent a car these days? It's outrageous. You know, by, by the time you're said and done, okay, you're going to have to hire a guide. 
you're going to have to go with an outfitter. What's that cost? About $3,000. All right, so you so okay, so then you go and do that. By the time it's all said and done, I've done the math. It's probably about a four to five thousand dollar play plus a week's vacation, even if you go with a guide. All right, so you got to have four grand in the bank plus a week's vacation pretty much at all times, just sitting and waiting, maybe for a year, five years, ten years, just hoping for that opportunity to come for that elk hunt. And at that point, it's like, what? that's just it's more hassle it's more trouble than it's worth now if I live close if I knew the land then sure I'd put in for a tag every year but it's not that way same thing if I was going to go to Colorado or anywhere other state well same deal but you're you're paying ridiculous amounts of money for tags and you invest in airfare and shipping getting your gear there and then the time that you have to spend to go. And then, okay, you're not going to then pay the extra money to have a guide, someone that knows the land, that knows how to find these animals. I mean, oh, guys, it's it's a tough one. It's, it's really hard to break into elk hunting if you don't live close to an area where the elk are and you can just get to know these animals, where they go and what they do. Uh, it's serious. I'm, I'm probably going to do another episode to talk more in depth about that piece of it, but I just wanted to touch on it here. Then you need your tactics, all right? What are your elk hunting tactics? How do you go after these creatures? So, you know, there are different tactics and strategies for different states, different habitats, different parts of the country. The big thing about elk is that they move. They always are on the move. They don't stay in any given area for very long. They can travel and cover massive distances in a day, in half a day. You know, white-tailed deer, typically during daylight hours, stays within a very small home range. Elk, miles tens of miles 20s of miles i mean they can if they want to be on the move they can cover crazy distance they have long legs they can just go and go and they don't mind it so you have you got to figure out what are the tactics to hunt elk in my area or where i'm going to be going to hunt now i'm going to do another episode on strategies and tactics and drill down on that but you got to be aware that any advice that you get, even even the advice I'm going to give, or the advice you hear from anyone else, or the advice you see on TV, that is going to be specific to certain areas and may not be the areas or the habitat uh, or the topography of where you plan to hunt and where you're going to be able to go. So if you're going to hunt somewhere, you really need to do some research, make some contacts, talk to people, figure out what are the best strategies for hunting in that area in order to make sure you can apply everything that you're getting. Next thing you need for elk hunting is your exit strategy. All right, say you go out, say you hike through the woods, say you go 10 miles deep, you find your elk on the, on the prairies, you take your shot from 300 yards, you hit them, 
You drop them, clean kill, yay, pictures, selfies, antlers, hoorah, what do you do? Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of meat. What is your plan? How are you going to get that out of the woods? That is not the right moment to think about that. You have got to have your plan long before that. You know, most white-tailed deer hunters, they never venture more than a few hundred yards from the parking area. Why? Because it just it, it's just too painful for them to drag a deer any further than that. They just don't want to do it. They are close to road hunters. And you know what? I can sympathize with that 100%. You know, those deer can get pretty heavy. You can be talking about a 200-pound buck uh, in a lot of places. And, you know, that is a lot of weight to try to drag out by hand, even if you got two guys. Yeah, you're not dragging an elk out anywhere. Even if you got two or three guys, you are not dragging an elk out. Just it's not happening. They're just too big. If you had 10 guys, sure you could do it, but you're not dragging an elk a mile. You're you're not. It's just not going to happen. So what is your plan? How are you going to get that animal out or how are you going to get that meat out? Are you going to pack it out? Are you going to butcher it in the forest? Are you going to make several trips? Do you have help? What is your plan? Do you've got vehicles that can get in there? Do you've got trucks? Do you have helicopters? What are you going to do? How do you get it out of the woods? You need to have an exit plan, which is one of the big benefits of going with a guide or an outfitter. And they have the ability to, to get onto a lot of tracks of land with ATVs. Even if you have an ATV, you're not flying it a thousand miles to Colorado. Right, so you you know you just you gotta have a way to get the animal out of the woods. Then you've got the fitness component. Okay, elk hunting is not deer hunting. You're not sitting in a tree stand all day most of the time. That's just not the way they're hunted. You're covering ground. You're covering distance. You need to be relatively fit. Now, when I say relatively fit, that's a gross understatement. You probably need to be in the best shape of your life for most elk hunts. All right. Unless you're going out onto a farm where you pay so much money to to walk out into the herd and and shoot the one you want. And those places exist. And I'm not recommending that in any way. If you're going to actually go out and hunt elk, you need to be in great physical condition. You can be on your feet walking, covering distance, climbing hills with a backpack all day from dusk until dawn. You can be out all day long on the move, 
And I mean, not, not covering flat ground. I mean, climbing hills and mountains and going downhill. You need to be in great shape for most elk hunts. You just, you got to. You're, and, and it's usually, you're also dealing with altitude. Not always, but often you're talking about high altitude. And just walking high altitude, you know, with tennis shoes on and shorts can wear you out after a half hour. Let alone all your hunting gear on, fighting wind, carrying backpack, carrying a gun, boots, everything, in the cold, whatever the case may be, trudging through all day, climbing mountains. Guys, it can be massively physically exerting. So you need to get in shape. You need to make physical preparations. You gotta you gotta start. This is this is part of the reason why it's usually a year out. You need to start training. All right, you need to find hills. You need to find places that you can climb. You need to get a backpack together. You need to have a 30-pound pack, even if you're just putting, you know, water bottles in there. You need to have a heavy pack, throw that thing over your shoulder. You need to get out a few times a week and hike for a couple hours. You got to really build up that endurance. And here's the thing. Here is the thing. You say, hey, I'm in great shape. I'm ready to go elk hunting. Yeah, you think. You think you are. You think so until you you step out of the truck at 10,000 foot elevation or whatever the elevation may be and you don't even get into the trail before you're just sucking wind and gasping for breath because all that preparation that you had done and, and all your great physical prowess is all at sea level or at relatively low altitude. And as soon as you add that high altitude component, I mean, you know, Olympic athletes, they, 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 they turn into, uh, how I can't even think of something to say that's not culturally insensitive, but you just you know, couch potatoes. You're just like someone who'd never done anything before. You really, you need to train a lot harder than you think makes any sense to train. If in any way you can train in higher elevation, even just a little, it'll help you. But you have to train harder and longer and more strenuously than you think you need to. Otherwise, you're going to be in for major challenges. And it's not going to be easy no matter how hard you train if you're not used to hunting in the altitude. Now, if you're able to hunt somewhere that's relatively low altitude, well, then great. That just makes it a lot easier for you. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's better to hunt in high altitude. That just seems to be most often the case of where the elk go because fewer predators and people are after them there. So you got to have fitness. You got to have physical preparation. You know, if, if you've got health conditions, you, you should be in touch with your doctor you should get their recommendation and advice on what you should do, how you should prepare. Again, this is why this is often planned a year or more in advance so you can get ready, so you can train, so you can be prepared, so you can have the stamina and the strength and 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 the ability to, to push through that. Because here's the thing. If you're hunting and wherever you're used to hunting, and you think, well, you know what? I, I can make it. I can push all day. I can hike all day. 
Yet you probably can there. Maybe you can where you're used to hunting. But as soon as you get put into this different environment, less oxygen in the air, less density of oxygen, you're woefully behind. Woefully behind. You're just... You're... There's just no way to explain the increased level of difficulty. And yeah, you maybe could have done it where you hunt, but you're not hunting there. So you have to over-prepare. And even after over-preparing, you will get there and say, oh man, I wish I was more prepared. So that's a big one. When it comes to wind, all right, elk are masters of the wind. Oftentimes, if you want the absolute cheapest, simplest, brain-dead strategy you could have to hunting elk, this would be it. Turn Turn into the wind, walk straight into the wind until dark. All right, that's that's the at most entry level elk hunting strategy possible. Just walk into the wind until dark and try to come up on elk before they can smell you. Because if you hunt all day and you don't see any elk, yeah, it could be there's no elk there, uh, or it could be just as likely that they smelled you from miles away and they're gone. The wind is huge. It is much bigger than it is for deer hunting. All right. You know, at a thousand yards, deer aren't going to smell you. Or if they do, they're not, it's just not going to, it's not going to register to them as danger. All right. At a thousand yards, at a mile, you know, deer are whatever, whatever little bit of your scent may get to a deer. You know, they don't care because they have smelled scent at that distance and diffusion their whole lives. Elk, at a mile, they can smell you. And they can't just smell you. They can make decisions. They can run away. They can disappear. They can evaporate into the fog. It's amazing how stealthy these massive creatures can can be. They can absolutely just evaporate into the fog and smelling you from a mile away. Okay, because they are not used to being around humans. Most of the reason they live where they live is to get away from humans because humans have hunted them to near extinction and they are not pro-human. Now, that said, that's mostly in a Western context. If you're hunting somewhere like central Pennsylvania where you got elk eating, you know, apples off people's trees in their backyard, well, it's a different story there. They have become somewhat domesticated and used to human scent. Whereas, you know, if they smell you from a mile away, they're used to smelling humans from closer than that all day, every day. Because they live in, I'm not going to say, an, you know, even suburban setting, but it's, they, there are people that live around there. It's not just thousands of miles of, you know, protected public land. So, um, you know, that though, though even those guidelines can shift some depending on where you're hunting and what those animals are used to. When most people think of elk, though, they're thinking of hunting out west, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, somewhere like that. And oftentimes, these are going to be the kind of hunts where you're at higher elevations and they can smell you from a mile away, literally.
At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. And then you have elk calling, which I think will maybe be one of the last things that I cover. You know, everybody wants to get into calling elk. They want to get their elk calls and they're going out on a hunt and they're going to call them in. And they think this is going to work just like for turkey hunting or duck hunting. Listen to me. No. All right. If you're a new hunter and you want to go out after elk, the last thing you need to buy is an elk call. All right. Is the last thing you need to buy because in order to effectively use an elk call, and I don't just mean produce an elk sound, but I mean know when to use it, where to use it, the right terrain to use it, the right situations and circumstances, how to read the animals and all of that. The level of skill involved there is likely higher than you will ever achieve in your life. Unless you live in an area that is native elk hunting and you're able to go hunt elk every year, um, you know, chances are that, you know, if you're listening to this episode, you fall into the category of people that may go on one or two or three elk hunts in their entire life. You don't need an elk call. You will never need an elk call. It's just the chances of you getting into a situation where you could use an elk call to your advantage are slim to none. And much more often, you're going to mess up any hunt that you had going for you by trying to use a call, wrong place, wrong time, wrong situation, wrong call, even if you make the noise well, and you probably won't. This is not like turkey hunting. It is not like duck hunting. You know, turkey hunting, you can walk out into the woods, you don't see any turkeys, you sit down, you call for a couple hours, a turkey might come in. Hey, great job, you're a turkey hunter. You know, of course, it's it's usually not that easy, but it can happen. It is not going to happen like that for elk hunting. It is not. Don't kid yourself. Don't think that, you know, I'm just going to walk out onto the prairie somewhere in, in Colorado and call elk and, you know, they're going to just come from miles around. They're not. And if they did, they'd still smell you before you ever saw them. Because they would probably approach on the downwind side and they would be gone even if somehow you were able to pique their interest with your calling. You don't need to buy an elk call. You don't need to practice with an elk call. You don't need to think about calling. You just, yeah, you're wasting your time, money, and focus on that. You should probably be spending that time hiking through the woods, climbing mountains, getting ready. Now, you may go with a guide who knows how to call, who knows what they're doing, and, uh, you know, could make sense to do it there. But just as a DIYer or, or going out with a guide or whatever, your first hunt or your first couple hunts, I'd say you're wasting your time. Now, if you've gone hell hunting several times and you plan to go several times more, you may get to the point where, you know, that could make sense, where you could begin to use that to your advantage. But like I said, for just the vast majority of people, you're, you're just wasting your time with that. 
And before I wrap it up, of course, I'm going to do a whole episode on just gear and guns. All right. Just nothing but that. So I'm just skipping over that at this point. And I'll just say, yeah, you need to have the right gear and the right firearms and equipment to do the job. Right. That's a bullet point. I'll do a whole episode on that. I need to mention the difference between a guide and an outfitter. All right. An outfitter is usually going to be a total package kind of situation. You pay them one large sum of money and they're going to often cover everything from your your flight landing in town or you arriving in town. Everything after that, they've got it down. They've got your lodging, transportation. They've got they're going to they're going to give you a guide. Right, the guide is part of that package or price. They're probably going to feed you. There's, you know, of course, there's differences in different outfitters and packages, but it's usually an all-inclusive kind of situation to some extent. If you're just getting a guide, most of the time you're paying that guide for his time and his direction and and you know his understanding and scouting for the day. You're paying a day rate, whole day, half day, a couple days. And that's a person who's going to come with you and is going to help you. Uh, But when you go and you get, say, an elk hunting guide, it is not the same as if, say, you were to go and hire a duck hunting guide. All right, a duck hunting guide is going to take you to one of their spots. They're going to call in ducks, and hopefully you're going to shoot, shoot a limit and take them home. That's the expectation. That's what they're trying to do is get you in a position to take a limited ducks and take them home. And they're going to do a lot of the hard work for you. All you need to do is show up, stay still, and shoot when they tell you and try not to miss. That is not an elk hunting guide. At least not in any real hunting sense. All right, an elk hunting guide, their job is to know the, the herd, to know the area, to know where to look, and to keep you from just wandering in the dark for a week, hoping to get lucky. All right, they're going to take you out and they're going to, you're going to go with them. And actually, they're more going with you. They're supporting you. They're helping you find the herd. They're helping you through the area. But you got to have to put in the boot time. You got to put in the rubber. You got to get in there. You've got to walk. You've got to be quiet. You've got to be still. You've got to sneak into the position. You've got to take probably a long, difficult shot. All right. The, you are doing the hard work. What the elk guide is doing is making it possible for you to do the hard work. It is not like many other kinds of guides. All right. It's not just you show up and you shoot an animal and take the pictures of your antlers and go home. A guide is in elk hunting is someone that makes it possible for you to do the hard work that you need to do to take an elk. All right, so I'll talk more about that in the episode that I do on guides and outfitters. But uh, guys, I really hope this is helpful for you. I'd appreciate it if you went to iTunes and did leave a five-star review with comment, not for my ego, but because it's the number one way to tell iTunes to show this show to more people, to grow the audience base. I would really appreciate that. And of course, head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Send me a message. Send me an email. We'd love to hear from you, your comments, your questions, your ideas. Um, And if you take this information and you go elk hunting, you better show me a picture. I need to see a picture 
uh, of how that went. Even if it's just you stand on, standing on a mountain, I want to know. So till next time, I really appreciate you guys. God bless you and go get them in the woods. Bye.